podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Ben Ayton, and Mike Duffy. Uh, we're back after a little breakaway uh, from the Voices of the Vic, which has been really busy and haven't been able to put anything out there for you guys unfortunately uh, but we are back and unfortunately we're back for a defeat um, to discuss and it's Watford's 1-0 defeat away at Sheffield United yesterday um, but first let's speak to Mike. Mike you was there yesterday how, how are you doing and how was the day? Yeah uh, it's good to be good to be back after a little break as you say um, but yeah, it, it was all right, you know. Sheffield United. I've not done it. I've worked out yesterday. I've not done it since two thousand and four. Um, so good to be back there. It's a, it's a good little ground. I, well, not little. It, there was like thirty odd thousand there yesterday, but it's a good ground. Um, and I think a draw was probably a fair result, but in the end, they snatched it, and I suppose that's why they're seconds. And you know, they're able to put in their goal mouth scrambles, whereas we weren't. So. Yeah, frustrating, but uh, good to be back doing an away day and uh, hopefully won't be long before I'm back at another Watford game soon. Yeah, um, you're talking about the stadium. It was um, it's, it's an old-fashioned stadium, isn't it? So it's quite tight to, uh, tight to a pitch. And the stands are massive as well, especially mm. that cop end behind the goal on uh, to the right when you're looking from the TV cameras. Um Really good atmosphere there as well. Even pre-match, they've got that song, haven't they, that everyone sings along to. And it's kind of um, spine-tingling stuff. I've been to um, Sheffield United once, and I think it was when we was back in the Prem. Um, was it under Boothroyd, possibly, I was up there? Um, and I think it was a narrow 1-0 defeat. Um, but yeah, great city, and it's a massive city as well. And they're kind of... Due to the size of the city, Mike, would you say that they're probably a, a, a team that a, a city that big should maybe have a Premier League side? Yeah, well, for years they had Sheffield Wednesday sort of up there, and they were a massive, massive side. And you look at the size of Hillsborough as well, and big club, definitely too big to be in League One. But in recent years, it's Sheffield United that sort of taken that baton and. Sort of, I know Sheffield Wednesday won't be looking at it as we've passed the baton to them, but they've sort of taken the reins on it a little bit in the last few uh, years. And uh, they had a, a really good stab at the Premier League a few seasons ago uh, and then completely fell apart uh, in the lockdown season. Um, so, yeah, you know, should really have a team up in the Premier League, as you say. And it's looking like that it's going to be a you know, host of a, a Premier League team very soon again. You know, I, I think yesterday, especially with Middlesbrough losing to West Brom, which I didn't see coming at all, I think that opened up a seven-point gap between them and Middlesbrough. And I think they've still got a game in hand over Middlesbrough as well. So I would say that's pretty much, you know, wrapped up the um, the, the top two, I would say. But uh, the Championship's a weird and wonderful league, so you never know what's going to happen. I was kind of annoyed with myself yesterday. I don't know if you saw it at pre-match. I actually predicted that Watford would narrowly lose in a 1-0 defeat to Sheffield United. And I, <laughs> I've done it a few times this season where I'd say it out, like, out loud for the scoreline or I'll tweet it yeah. and it actually comes in. So maybe going forward, I should stick maybe a fiver on it and I might be up at the end of the season. But yeah, <laughs> I was kicking myself yesterday. I just, there was something about it yesterday. We was heading to Bramwell Lane. Sheffield United were on the back of two back-to-back defeats for the first time this season and you just knew 
they had to respond yesterday, especially at home in front of their crowd. And Watford, it's been a bit iffy with Watford lately. Um, okay, we picked up the three points um, against West Brom on Monday night, but it wasn't a pretty performance again. And there was concern in moments in that game as well. You, with you heading to the game yesterday, Mike, were, were you concerned with playing Sheffield United and thinking, cool, okay, they've, they've lost their last two games, but they can easily turn up and get three points against Watford? Yeah, well, I, I took my missus uh, and another one nil defeat. At the the previous game she went to, we lost one nil as well. So I think there's a theme <laughs> sort of occurring here, and we go into bloody Coventry on Easter Monday as well. So if you're planning on getting tickets for that, steer clear because we're going to lose one nil. I think. Uh, but <laughs> e- even she saw it. You know, she said how have Sheffield United been doing, and I said they're, they're second, but they've lost the last two games. And she said, well, they'll be well up for it today. And I thought absolutely they will. So, yeah, there was always that sort of fear in the back of my mind. But I also, on the other hand, thought, well, we've got players coming back. You know, I expected loser to start, which he did. Um, and really, when you look at our team, when they're all fully fit, we should be one of the better teams in the league. So there was a part of me that was quietly confident, you know, and our record against the teams sort of around us this season has, has been brilliant. You know, you look at the teams we've lost to, and it tends to be the team sort of mid-table, bottom half of the table. But we've drawn and beat Burnley. We beat Sheffield United. Obviously, they beat us yesterday, but we beat them at the start of the season. Um, we've done the double over Norwich. Um, so, you know, we, we we get results against the, the so-called big teams in this league. So, yeah, I was, you know, quietly confident, but... Uh, I'd have snapped your hand off at a 1-1 draw before the game. I think I said that in our group chat. Uh, but it, it wasn't to be, you know, Sheffield United showed why they're second in the league. And luck wasn't on our side at all yesterday. Um, you know, because the goal was the other end of where we were sat, you didn't quite see how scrappy it was. Obviously, I knew it was scrappy because it was a goal-mouth scramble. But I've seen a replay of it and... You know, that that happens when, when you looks out, you looks out, you can see goals like that. And it's typical. We had a chance right at the end as well, uh, which was, you know, quite similar. And it just would not drop to the right person. It could have dropped to anyone. We just couldn't connect. So it was one of them games. And having Keith Stroud in charge as well, the referee, he, he's horrendous. He shouldn't be refereeing at this level. And I'm pretty sure he's a Luton fan as well. So I think, he was, that, uh, yeah. I think he was influenced by the, the home support. On a Massive, couple of occasions yeah. yesterday, I think there, I can't remember exactly the moment, but there was a, a I think Watford committed a foul. It was a foul, um, but he didn't award it and the lino didn't award it. But once uh, Ollie McBurney was in the referee's ear, he, he pulled up straight away. And, it was and, for the Porteous and, yellow and, and card. And then he booked the as well, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that was when Porteous got booked. And my brother said exactly the same thing. He, he played on and he was like looking carrying on as if to say, I've seen it, but I'm not giving it. And the crowd were booing and jeering. And then he blew the whistle. And I thought, what? You can't just give in to the crowd like that. So, yeah, it's it, it's crap to see stuff like that. Mm. And then that's why he man um, referencing the championship, isn't it? Because it's not good enough of a top league, and he showed yesterday that he is is not good enough. Um, but also, maybe maybe we we'll talk about a refereeing decision as well in that first half, Mike. In your eyes, I know it was up the other end of the pitch, but there was a penalty shout for Watford as well, and Keenan Davis went down in the penalty box. 
I think it was just that muscled, wasn't he? For me, it wasn't a penalty. What What was your views on it? I, I haven't seen a replay of it, so I don't know. But in real time, obviously, we all appealed for it. Um, I don't think there was much in it, though. Like I say, I've not seen a replay, but um, they the players certainly seemed adamant they should have had a, uh, a, a, a penalty. And I think Andrew French puts on it out as well, saying that Bilic sort of asked the question at the time of the fourth official, and he said it was just an excessive shoulder barge or... Um, it, the, the explanation he was given didn't make sense and it's just like if he's been told that then you know what what's going on so um yeah i i don't think there was there was much in it to be honest but yeah uh one of them days in the office i think yeah um joe thomas is watching today and he says never a pen he just needs to be stronger in nice situations and um i think keenan davis splits the room a little bit amongst Watford fans at the moment, doesn't he, Mike? Um, I put out a tweet yesterday and I'll read through the replies after I've got your thoughts on Keenan Davis and his performance yesterday. Um, well, firstly, what did you think of his performance yesterday? Because looking at it overall, he, he should have walked away with at least one goal yesterday. 100%. Are you referring to the um, the header from the corner? The header in the first half from Ken Sam yeah. across, yeah. 100%. 100% should have put that away. Um, and it's, it's just he's just showing signs of um, a striker which has got no confidence at the moment. I saw someone reply to one of those. I don't know if he was going to read this one out. Apologies if you were. There's but, so many of them, so yeah, yeah. feel free. <laughs> um, he said he just needs one to go in off his shin from a yard out. And that it's quite funny because literally that almost happened yesterday in the second half. I, I, I can't remember which um, build-up of play it was, but it literally took a bobble and Davis, all he had to do, if he was a yard closer to the goal, he'd have he'd hit off his knee and gone in. You just need it to go in. It doesn't matter how. And he's showing classic signs of a player with no confidence at the moment in front of goal. He had two golden opportunities against West Brom. Should have scored those. Had that chance yesterday um, from the header. And I think I said this at the start when he first came in. I was never expecting him to come in and score us 10 15 goals. He, he's not that mm. type of striker. You know, you watch him at Forest, he scored the same amount of goals as he has so far for Watford. He scored four goals for Forest. Um, and he was never one where they thought, right, you know, you go and get all the goals. He he brings in other players. But when your most creative player in Jao Pedro is having to drop deep, it sort of defeats the object. If he can play a bit closer to Jao, and, you know, he receives a ball in, he's looking out wide, plays Joel through or plays it out wide, and then we get bodies in the box. Yes, that would work. But I just feel that the way that we play at the moment, there's no particular pattern or style of play. And I think that's been the case since Bilic has come in. I've not seen a massive shift in the way we've played from under Rob Edwards to how we play under Bilic. And I think that is the downfall for Keenan Davis because he is very much a striker that brings others into play. But when he's got no one around him to bring into play, it doesn't help. And I think too many people are relying on Davis to, to get us goals. And yeah, it sounds crazy to say he's not that type of striker, because a striker's job is to score goals. But we've got other players in that team that can score goals, providing that we give Davis a service. His hold-up play is brilliant. Best hold-up play I've seen since Troy in his pump at Watford. Uh, the ball just sticks to him like glue. 
and he went on a bit of a run uh, yesterday in the second half where he probably waltzed through about two, three players and then played them in. And then we didn't do anything with it. And it's just so frustrating because there is a player in there. But, mm. um, yeah, it's it's tough to watch at the moment. Like I say, he just needs a goal. Doesn't matter how he gets it, just needs a goal. Yeah, well, before I mention um, everyone's views on Twitter yesterday when I put out the poll or to find out what everyone thought of Keenan Davis, my opinion is with Davis, yeah, brilliant at holding the ball up. Um, I think he's one of the best in the leagues at doing that. I think he needs people to work closer to him. At times, he's very isolated and he's got yeah. to do a lot on his own. Um, so I think he needs more help and he might get more help from Gel Pedro if he focused a bit further up the pitch instead of trying to go deeper to try and find the ball. I think once Keenan Davis has got the ball as well, I, I think he releases the ball too slowly at times as well. If he released it quicker, I think that would benefit the team. But for, for a striker, the goal tally for him is, is poor. He's got four goals. His last goal was um, back in October against Luton. For a striker, I think he's played 14 games since then. Okay, he's been in and out the side due to injury, but we can't keep going back to saying he's got fitness issues and that. He's a professional footballer. At the end of the day, it, it, it shouldn't take him too long to get back up to speed to be fit. Um, so that's my thoughts on Keenan Davis. And, and I've seen lots of people on here saying about his his overall record for a striker is pretty poor as well. He doesn't tend to score too many goals or actually assist his um, teammates either. Um, I'll only run through a few because we got about 30 replies yesterday. Um, Jack was the first one who jumped in yesterday saying, good player, obviously lacking confidence. Uh, time for Orohu to come and get a run of games. Not sure why Asambalonga was brought on instead of him. Um, Keenan Ree says, decent at everything apart from finishing. Um, probably a good thing that the side are going backwards in the table so we don't have to pay £15 million for him. Uh, Luke Gray says, does good work for the team, clearly, but the facts are he, he scored the same amount of goals as Bio this season who's and needs to be dropped for his own confidence. Um, Peter Olsen says, he is a very good player, and when he's on his game, he's probably one of the best in the championship. But his confidence in front of goal is zero. We need more from him. Um, Aiden says, very poor. Nowhere near the level we expected him when he joined. Looked unfit all season and has been toothless in front of goals. Carries and holds a ball uh, well. But that's that's about it. Same number as goals with Bio. Um, Frankie Holiday says, not good enough. Probably better in deeper role because he's overall finishing and, and box awareness is awful and it continues there's so many replies and they're all along the similar um, lines of each other but what would you do with Keenan Davis now Mike we've got Preston North End coming up next Saturday it's a game where you would go into it thinking it's a winnable game would you look to maybe play Keenan Davis game to try and get him to get that goal again or would you for his sake take him out the side and, and play Arohu yeah, it's. Uh, I, I didn't see what Frankie said until you, you just read it. And I, I think he's right. If he's going to play, maybe put him in a deeper role because it's no good when your strikers having to come deep and try and win the ball. And then we, we you know, he looks to play it out wide, but then we're moaning that no one's in the box. And it's because our strikers have to go and retrieve the ball. A bit like João Pedro, you know, he's not up the pitch at the moment because he's having to do all the work in the middle and, and having to drop deep to win the ball. So, 
I, I personally wouldn't start him the next game. Uh, why Arohu hasn't been playing, I do not know. Uh, Asambalanga come on before him yesterday and everyone in the crowd said the same thing. Like, Why are we bringing him on before Arohu? You know, listen, a lot of fans are going to say a lot of different things, but we had Benfica fans in the replies when we announced Arohu saying they were disappointed that they didn't keep him and didn't play him as their first-choice striker. Now, I know that means diddly squat. I think they said the same about Alexander Merkel being the next thing since best thing since sliced bread. And look how that turned out. But, you know, when you've got someone as highly rated as Arohu coming in from a big club like Benfica, to not be playing him and to be putting Britta Sambalonga over him, like, it's almost, he must be sitting there thinking, what the fuck have I signed up for here? Like, so it is frustrating. And the annoying thing is as well, he come on, I think he come on about the 80th minute yesterday and he looked a real live wire. Once the yeah. ball, um, you know, you could see when he gives the ball, he's, he's running into space and he's always in that position where if he gets the ball, he will do some damage with it. So, Give him a start, you know. Give give him a start against Preston. I would, um, and you know maybe let Davies have the role of coming on for the last ten and maybe trying to break up defenses or you know hold the ball up if we're one nil up, hold the ball up, come and play it in the corners, that sort of thing. Because I think after yesterday, nine of the next twelve games um, are against teams in the lower reaches of the um, division. The only ones that we've still got to play that are really up there, if you like, is them not down the M1 and Sunderland. We've still got to play those two. Other than that, the rest of them sort of aren't knocking on the door for playoffs. So I'd say Coventry is probably the only one that's sort yeah, of that in that tough. area. So no disrespect to them clubs, but we've got to win them. Um, we've we've got to win them games if we want to make playoffs. Because at the moment, I looked at the table before we come on. And with three points behind playoffs now, I think they, them lot have got the last playoff spot at the moment. They've got a game yeah. in hand on us as well. So, you know, with three points behind with and they've got a game in hand on us, we need to be winning those games. So something has got to give. Sonny's got to change. So in in long form to your question, I would play a Robu next game instead of Davies. I think I agree with you as well. I prefer his movement as well. I think Keenan Davis is a bit static sometimes. Uh, where Rojo, he was on his toes yesterday, wasn't he? He was looking to make those runs. And it makes a defender's game much harder to be able to run after someone. If, if you're just going to stand there, you're easy to mark, you're easy to manage. It's difficult for defenders to defend um, when you've got someone running in behind you or coming short to collect the ball and dribbling past you. So I think... I think at home at Vicarage Road against Preston, I think it's a perfect opportunity for Orojo to come in. But I just don't know whether Bilic would be bold enough to make that decision. But like you say, he's highly rated. The Benfica fans crave about him. Um, he's obviously got a good pedigree. And, and I think he, he would do well. I think he just needs to get that first goal for Watford. And it, it, they're all flying. And we've got a good run of games coming up soon as well, which we'll discuss um, towards the end of the, the pod. But... Mike, it was yesterday. It was another goal from a set piece that Watford conceded. Again, it's it's someone free at that far post, isn't it? And it looks like it's it's so easy to play against Watford at set pieces, isn't it? It's I think last season 
we conceded so many goals at the far post in open play, but now this season it looks like we're conceding loads of goals at the far post from set pieces. It's frustrating, isn't it, Mike? Because you put in a shift, the players put in a shift yesterday. The performance was much better than West Brom. It was just just deflating in the manner of that goal, wasn't it? Yeah, and you'd think they'd do something about it in training. I think Lou Orne's tweeted saying that it's clear that Sheffield United targeted our set pieces because... You know, the I think Swansea did it, Blackpool did it. You know, uh, quite a few people have done it. The same thing because they know with the zonal marking. Um, I mean, Porteous is massively unlucky there, but it's just clear. It, it's just simple. You've just got to clear your lines, and even before that, don't let that man on the back post head it back into play. It's just yeah. simple stuff, which is frustrating as well. I wouldn't mind as much. I, I would mind, but I wouldn't mind as much if. <laughs> um, you know, they're scoring absolute screamers and you're like, right, okay, we're not going to deal with that, you know, really well-worked goal. But it's just so simple. You can cut it out. It's it's park football stuff, dog and duck league. Um, and then I think my dad put a tweet out yesterday saying that's the difference when, you, when you're up there and, you know, forms in your side. They put their goal mouth scrambles away. We didn't. And, it, you know, it's frustrating as, as hell. Uh, and especially because the new two centre-backs have been doing so well together. I mean, I think Hoots are a yellow card waiting to happen every game and he, he got another yellow yesterday. But yeah. I just think solidly defensive... Well, defensive-wise, we look more solid with Porteous and Hoot at the back. Um, but, yeah, it's frustrating to concede from another set-piece because... You, if you looked at the goal, goals we've conceded, if we cut them out, I think we'd be in a much better place. And like you said there, Ben, it didn't sum up the game at all yesterday because I thought we played really well. Uh, I thought for the large parts, you know, we had more of the ball and I, I thought we went to second in the league and played that well. I, I was happy I was. Yeah, I think there was some good... Um individual performances yesterday as well from Watford. I was impressed with James Morris again. Again, he's he's doing well and he's making it difficult for Hassan Kamara to come back into the team. Uh, Gaspar's looks like he's settled now, hasn't he? I thought Saar was better yesterday. I thought he was on it. He he looked lively. Um, Joel Pedro's maybe a little bit disappointing, maybe wanted more from him. Actually, talking about Joel Pedro a little bit, Mike, do you think that maybe the armbands is maybe affecting his game a little bit? Maybe I don't know what we've given it him. Like, yeah, same. Is it because he's the star man, if you like, in, in the team? Is it because everyone raves about him? Is that why? I'm oh, I think sure. so. I'm pretty I, sure. I, I don't know where he is. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he doesn't speak English still. It's, you know, so that can't be any good. I know we've got, you know, quite a few nationalities in the team, but, you know, that can't be good. But, he's a great player, but is he a leader? I don't think so. Mm. Um, but then again, you know, give it to Porteous, wasn't he? Captain at Hibs. Oh, I might have got that wrong, but, you know, he's he's certainly a, a leader. Hoots as well. Um, you know, th th there's definitely players in that squad that I'd be giving the armband over, Zhao. I think as well, just to go on what you said there, Zhao was disappointing yesterday. I think the reason we get so frustrated is we know what he can do. Mm. And he's not able to do it because he's having to do all the donkey work because no one else is doing it. He's having to drop deep. He's having to come and win the ball from sort of CDM role and then try and make things forward. If we have players in that position that could do that job, 
then we could say to Zhao, Zhao, get yourself up there. Don't worry about coming back. He's sorted it here. You get up there. We'll get the ball to you. And then you turn it on and do your thing in and around the box. And I can guarantee more goals will come from his game. I mean, he's got nine goals so far this season already. He would have a lot more if he didn't have to come back and do all that dirty work. Yeah. I, I just want him to concentrate on his own work, on his own game. I don't. I think at the age of 21, I think having the armband, it, it's a massive responsibility. And I don't know whether he's thinking about that a lot more than at his actual individual game because um, he offers so much to this team. And I, I just don't think it's a lot weighing down on his shoulders, isn't it? having a captain's armbands like you think of what a captain would have to do he would have to go in through these um pre-match meetings with a referee and the opposition um captain before the game as well obviously you got the coin toss and all that as well and and then you're the one the referee comes to whenever there's something kicking off on the pitch and you have to try and um speak to the uh, your, your teammates on the pitch as well but i just think it's waning down a little bit so i, I would love billy to take that off him and I've seen a couple of people here saying who they'd like to give it to. Um, Jess says she thinks that long-term, maybe it should go to Ryan Porteous. I, I would possibly look to try and give it to him now. I, it might sound silly, but I think he's a born leader and mm -hmm. he, he seems to leave everything on the pitch and that's what you need from a captain and he's a leader, he's a talker, he can organise things. Um, but I just don't know whether he'll be given that because he's so early into his days at Watford. Um, Joe Thomas says, it's really odd. I'll have Hamza as captain at the moment. And then that brings up a good um, debate as well, Mike. Do you give a captain's armband to someone who's on loan at the club? Um, because th there's no doubt in Hamza Chowdhury's commitment. Yesterday, I put out a tweet on the socials saying about how impressive he's been. It's, it's absolutely immense. He's got heart. He's got character. He's got desire. He leaves absolutely everything on the pitch and he covers every single blade of grass on the pitch as well. Hamza Chowdhury, for me, if I'd, I'd love us to sign him at the end of the season, regardless what division we're in. But would you potentially give the captain's armband to someone who's, who's a lone player? Um, if they, if the club know that they want to sign him and they think it's going to happen, then absolutely I would. Mm. Um, I get what you're saying. You wouldn't usually give it to someone who's on loan because they're only there for short term. You could argue, uh, is is their focus going to be on Watford for that entire period? Um, but Hamza, like you said, brilliant player. I think he could very easily be captain material. Uh, it did make me laugh yesterday, though. He um, he picked up another injury by the looks of it because towards the end, I don't know if you noticed this watching on TV, but he had to strap up his um, his thigh and it looked like he had like ice and he, he heavily strapped it because it looked like he'd maybe done something to his hamstring again, possibly. <laughs> and um, I don't know if people know that if he got yellow carded, he, he would have been suspended for the next two games. I don't know if that carries on or when the cutoff is, but it was almost as if the last five minutes he was diving into challenges to try and get that yellow card so he could have two games off and like recover from that injury he'd picked up. So whether mm. we'll see him on Saturday against Preston, I don't know. Um, but I think, like you said, he was superb yesterday. He's been superb last few games as well. And he, he he's someone that we've been screaming out for in the middle of the pitch. But absolutely, I'd have him as captain. Yeah, no, I, I love him. Um, I, I'd love him to be signed permanently. 
Um, I, I, I know before we signed him, he signed a one-year extension with Leicester because he was out of contract at the end of his season. Um, but they've obviously signed a one-year extension. So if he has performed well at Watford, and if Watford don't want to sign him, other clubs might be interested and actually want to purchase him for a fee. So instead of losing him for a free yeah. at the end of the season, they can actually get something back. And I saw someone comment back on the Hamster Chowdhury post I put out on Twitter, and it was a Sheffield United fan. And he said, I thought he was the best player on the pitch yesterday, and I, I, I would like us to sign him if we go up next season. So he's, he's catching the, the eyes of the oppositions now as well. And you saying about him picking up that injury, Michael, well, it's worrying that it potentially could be another hamstring injury, but it didn't affect him, did it? Um, he was still running around on one leg, um, showing more than other Watford players out there. And just, do you think that's possibly one of his best performances in the Watford shirt? I think Burnley away was a really good one as well. I think yeah. those two are probably his best performances so far I've seen. Uh, Burnley at home as well. Um, that that tackle that he made to come back and yeah. win the ball from behind that that will stick in my memory for a long time. But um, I mean, I didn't get to watch the Burnley game, so I, I listened to some of it in the car on the way back um, from from Lincoln. And um, like all you could hear, John Marks was talking about Hamza Chowdhury's popped up and won this Chowdhury again, Chowdhury again. So I'm gutted I didn't actually get to see it on TV at the time because he sounded immense. But he, that yesterday certainly was here, there and everywhere. Mm. Um, and he, he's passionate as well. You can tell that he cares. He, he was gutted yesterday when that final whistle went. He, he, he felt like everyone else did in the crowd, you know, gutted that we didn't get that last-minute chance, that last-minute bubble in the, um, in, in the penalty box. And... You know, you can tell that he cares. You, you get some lone players sometimes come and like, yeah, they're committed to the cause, but they don't really give a monkeys because in their back of their mind, they're thinking, well, at the end of the season, I'm going back to parent club and then I might get shipped on loan to somewhere else. But you can tell Hamza cares about this club. And uh, I must uh, I must hold my hands up, actually. I, um, I, I was quite critical of him at the start of his Watford um, career. Um, we, I was, I was abroad, and we were watching the Norwich game where we won two one at home. And I went uh, on a lads holiday, and one of the lads is a Leicester fan. And I said to him, I says, I, I tell you what, I says, I've not been impressed with Hamza, but you know, recently he's been absolutely superb. So hopefully, Leicester will allow us to sign him, even if we don't go up. I think is there an obligation to buy him if we go up? Or is that with someone? I think that's with Davis actually. But hopefully we sign him. That that's the long and short of it. I he, he's someone I can see at Watford uh, for for quite some time. Hopefully, definitely for me. I think he's one of the first names on the team sheet as well. Mm. When he had that injury um, a few months back, you could really miss him. And I said on the podcast with you, I said you don't realise what you've got until you've lost it. And with Hamster Chowdhury out that middle of that midfield, it was it, it was horrible to watch him. You you could see what was missing in that side and what he actually brought along um, so to have him back. And he looks like he's he's got his A game back now. He's performing week in, week out, 90 minutes under his belts as well. He must have played one of the most minutes for Watford this season. I'll have a look um, maybe tomorrow and I'll put something out on the socials to let everyone know how many minutes everyone's played so far this season. But I'd say Hamza Chowdhury's probably up there, maybe the third or fourth most minutes played. Um, but yeah, fantastic guy. Um, Joe Thomas says, I'll pay whatever Leicester asks for, regardless of where we are. 
He has to stay. He's a class act every week. Um, Jeff says, hope Watford sign Hamza, but he seems to have a lot of crickets amongst our fan base. Not sure why he always works his arse off and is everywhere on the pitch in every game. Been impressed with him. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we manage to sign him regardless of what division we are in at the end of the season. I don't think it would cost too much, maybe a couple of million. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, get him in and build that midfield round him. Uh, that's what I'd say. Uh, but, yeah, Mike, yesterday we were on the end of that 1-0 defeat at Bramwell Lane. How how would you describe that performance yesterday? Was it... Is it was it an encouraging performance for the games ahead? I think so. I, I, plenty of positives to take out of it. I mean, of course, I was gutted when I left Bramall Lane, and you know, it's never nice leaving a ground when you've just lost, especially when you're away. Um, but there's definitely positives to take. You know, I, I think Sheffield United—they didn't look great yesterday. Uh, as I say, it could have been a draw. They looked like they only had one sort of outlet, and that was when the ball went back to Fodderingham, he lumped it up to McBurney, and then they tried to feed off the scraps from that. And luckily, Porteous sort of won the majority of them. Yes, McBurney, very good at holding the ball up, but I didn't think they, they were, you know, miles ahead of us at all. Um, they, but lots of encouragement to take from that. And like I said, you look at the running who we've got, if we play like that against the teams in that sort of bottom half of the table, we should have no problem picking up the points. Famous last words, of course, and I'm sure people will come back to this clip when we get spanked and, you know, finish 13th this season because we've been crap. But um, no, in all seriousness, lots of positives to take, I think. But why are we so insistent on trying to walk the ball into the back of the net? We are not Arsene Wenger's invincibles. Every time... It's like they're trying to find, or it's like Billich has said to him, oh, before you score, you need to make 15 passes and then you can score. It's like a training drill. Just mm-hmm. get the ball. Don't be afraid to shoot. Too many times yesterday, you think, go on, hit that. And then he'd, he'd get the ball, he'd look up, he'd try and play in a pass and cut it across and have the easy tapping. Don't just get your shots away. It's so frustrating. It really is. Um, I think there's been no identity really for Watford lately, has it? And Slavin Bilic has maybe alluded to this lately in the last couple of um, press conferences. He's he's kind of said that he's not really had time to work on a pattern of play since the World Cup break. And because of all the injuries as well, it's made things difficult for him. But I thought from the West Brom game last week on a Monday to yesterday's game, there was an improvement in performance. And I kind of saw a little bit of improvement in like maybe patterns of play. Um, I thought the second half, I thought the plan was to try and give a ball to his Malasara a bit more. Um, and I, I just, I think now, like yesterday, you got to remember, yesterday was the first time that Bilic has got Loser, Saar and Pedro starting together for a very long time. Yes, Loser went off after 60 minutes, but it was all probably pretty, pre-planned the medics actually told Bilic that he only had 45 minutes in him Bilic asked loser at half time are you okay can you carry on um, and then it was decided that he was only going to get another 10-15 minutes out of him so that's why he got substituted on that um, but I think it's encouraging knowing that all these players have now came back and now Bilic has got them back he's got time to actually work on something on the training ground he, let's be honest he, he was playing it was really difficult for him to try and fill holes with 
um, round holes with square um, pegs, wasn't it? Basically, Mike. He, he was basically just putting a team together to try and compete. And now he's got the players back. We can compete and do it with a bit of style. Um, are you encouraged about the, the, the weeks coming ahead? Yeah, uh, I, I said to my brother and I said to the missus yesterday, I says, you know, the, the fact that we've got all these injuries coming back, providing we all play, you know, to to our best of our strengths, then absolutely, why can't we? Um, you know, you look at the squad that we've got available to us. How many other championship teams in this, well, how many other teams in this division, sorry, would say, we want that, we want that team, we'd love to have that team at, uh, our disposal. I think you'd find it a lot more than people think. We've got a very talented squad. We've just got to use it correctly. I've seen a lot of people digging out Billich and yeah, it's not been great under him. Um, I, I can't remember how many games he's won. Uh, I think he's won 10 games in 21 matches. That might be wrong. So don't quote me on that. And I think that's only league games. I you can't be throwing the... numbers about, Mike. No, I, I worked it out the other day. And I promise, I swear, in 20 matches, it was before the West Brom game, he'd won nine of those games. Uh, league, I'm talking about now. But I think, and I'm sure we've probably said this on the podcast before, but I think, let's judge him now that these players are back. Too many people have been digging him out. Billy Chant, the right coach, he don't play a style of play. I agree, you know, we, we don't have a style of play. We don't have a pattern of play. But now that these players are coming back, let look at Loser, for example, yesterday. He was told he could only play him for 45 minutes. That's not Billich's fault. When these players have been given the all-clear to play 90 minutes, let's judge the team from them. Uh, and, you know, these next few games, let's start, you know, Let's get behind the team. I'm sick of this negativity on Twitter all the time. Um, there were positives to take out of yesterday. But again, it's negativity, negativity. Billich out, Billich in, Billich out. I'm sick of it. Players are coming back. The squad's going to be at its you know, strongest. Let's get beyond the team. These are the biggest 12 games of our season. Let's get a good run going, get into the playoffs. And the playoffs is a lottery. Let, let whatever happens happen. Well, I, I, while she was doing all of that, I actually counted the wins that he's actually had, and it is 10 games he's won as Watford manager. Uh, so I'm very impressed with that. Um, but yeah, we, we was going to discuss this whole um, social media situation with Slavin Bilic because lots of fans are starting to question him. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of pe- people are saying that it's time for him to go. But these fans don't say it off the back of a Watford victory. It's as soon as Watford have it like a, a defeat. And you've got to remember, we went to second place Sheffield United yesterday. The performance was actually better than the, the, the game we actually performed in against West Brom where we won. Um, so so there's, there's small signs of encouragement for me. And, and especially, like you say earlier, the majority of our games now are against teams in the bottom half of the table or just below Watford. Um, so we've got a very favourable run in left. Um, to try and put a po- uh, push on for promotion. But I'm the same as you. I'm fed up with going on social media after every game. It's predictable. You, you, you could call it before the final whistle. You're going to see people question Village. You're going to see Village question his in-game management. You're going to see him question his substitutions. You're going to see him just say Village out because it's been another Watford defeat. Mm-hmm. But for me, Village has done 
an okay job with Watford. He came into Watford where we had the most horrendous history list I think I've ever seen in football. And he's managed to get results off the back of that. But now he's got his better players coming back and now he's going to be able to work on actual style of play and try to get better performances out of the team. And I just think that we we will start to see a bit of momentum now with Watford, especially with we've got three home games out the next four games at Victory Drove. That's massive for Watford. We've not had that probably all season. Um, and they're against decent sides where you think you are going to turn up and get three points. So for me, it's Billy Shin, and I'm fed up of seeing Watford changing managers all the time. I don't want to be onto a third manager of the season. It's embarrassing. I don't want to go into work and stand up for Watford again saying, oh, yeah, but we needed to make the changes. Performances were downhill. But let's all stop being so reactionary and just, just stick with the managers till the end of the season. If we don't make the playoffs, we don't make the playoffs. We'll build a game for next season. Yes, we might not have Saar or Jal Pedro, but if I'm honest, I think this squad needs a massive rebuild. Um, and I think the money that Saro and Pedro generate will probably benefit Watford in rebuilding this squad, especially when you've got the, the brains behind the scene of Helen Acosta and Ben Manga with their scouting network. I, I do think that Watford will cope if I don't get promoted this season. I know there's lots of fans out there that think we'll struggle and financially and all that. And I understand your concerns about that, but my honest opinion is I think we'll be okay um, so I don't think it'll be the end of the world if we do miss out on the playoffs this season and if we do we'll shake hands with Slavin Bilic and I'm sure he'll be the first one out the door at the end of the season um, but let's try and build again at the end of the season let's not build now with 15 games or so left in the season because I, I can't keep on doing these new manager podcast Mike during the season it's, it's a joke um, but for you you're, you're the Bilic in camp as well yeah, absolutely. Like I say, you know, I I, I agree. We have a particular pattern of play, uh, and you know, maybe not a great deal has changed since Edwards. But you know, he has been dealt a bit of a duff hands. You know, he's had all these injuries. Like you said, look back at the Norwich game. I think after that, was it fifteen injuries we had? Maybe more. I don't know. Um, and now he's getting the players back in. So, you know, I, I just, I'm sick, like you said, you know, even if we win, we, we beat West Brom and there were still people moaning on social media. I thought, bloody hell, man, like we've won. You can't win. I don't care if we play shit. If, if we score more goals than the other team, I do not give a shit. This is the championship. <laughs> sometimes you win playing well, sometimes you win playing shit. That, that, that's football. So, you know, it just frustrates me. Um, but yeah, you know, Bilic, he's he's quite clearly a good manager. He, he got West Brom promoted. Um, he's I think Joe's just said there that he got West Ham into Europe, uh, got to the quarterfinals of the Euros with Croatia without his two best players. So, you know, he, he's not a bad coach. He knows what he's doing. So now that we've got these players coming back and they can play more regularly, let's Give him the time. Let's get behind them as well. Because the atmosphere at the Vic, the last few games, I've watched the games, and it's just, it's not there. You, 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 you're turning up and we all know how much of an effect the crowds can be. Crowds have won us games before. You look at the Liverpool game, the 3-0. Yeah, look we at the Luton game as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, 
Um, let's get me on a team and we've got some winnable games coming up now, hopefully. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone will be singing, hopefully everyone will be singing his praises come the end of the season. But let's just try and get on as good a run as we can, get into the playoffs in good form, and then the rest will take care of itself. Form counts for nothing in the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm firmly billich in, mate, 100%. Yeah, and um, yeah, Joe Thomas says he's billich in as well. Um, Jess says, for me, billich needs to stay and be given time with his fully fit squash. But I do fear for him if we don't win the next two games. And I understand that. I, I, I would probably fear for him as well, only because we know what Gino's like. I just hope that yeah. Gino stands strong and isn't trigger-happy this time. But Gino's Gino. That's what he mm. likes. Um, but Mike, we've, we've said about Watford slipping down to eighth in the table now. I think even if we beat Preston and Luton lose, I don't think that's enough to get into the playoffs because Luton's got a better goal difference as well. Do you think this Watford size got enough to secure a playoff place at the end of the season? One hundred percent, we have. And even if we even if we do beat Preston and Luton lose, as long as our points tally is in reach of those in the playoffs, I'm not too bothered about goal difference at the moment. Yes, it mm-hmm. might come in handy. You always look back. I remember we we played Blackpool last game of the season in 2008. I was mascot at Blackpool. And we beat, we got into the playoffs because our goal difference was better by one than Wolves. So 100%, I'm under no illusion that goal difference is huge. But as long as we're still, you know, on the same points as the playoff people, then that's all right with me. Um, you know, we, we can worry about goal difference with a few games to go. Um, but I think 100%, we, we can make playoffs. You know, this squad... You know, if we had this squad that was fully fit for the whole season, we it's good enough to to be winning this league, in my opinion. Uh, but unfortunately, we've we've had rotten luck as we've just talked about. So I think we'll secure a playoff spot. I, I I've, I've under no illusion that we will. Um, and I think the next few weeks will throw up a good few results. And hopefully, you know, a bit of positivity back in the Watford camp, and everything will be uh, will, will will be all good. Okay, I think we we saw Watford do a late run together last time we was in the championship, wasn't it? We put a massive big run of results together, but I think maybe Watford had better points at that stage of the season. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. we can definitely do something similar. I, I know we've not done anything like that this season because our results have been so inconsistent. I think the most we've done is back-to-back wins. We've not won three games consecutively, I don't think, this season. If I'm wrong, please um, pop it into the comments in that. But I just think the, our, our main issue is scoring goals, isn't it? And I think there's been nine games this season where Watford have actually failed to score, which is huge. Um, and also, we, we don't score enough goals in games, whereas we scored three against West Brom on Monday night. But the last time we actually scored three goals or more was back in October against Luton. Aside fighting for promotion, you've really got to be scoring more goals and putting teams to bed. Watford are only managing to score one or two goals against teams and, and getting the three points. But I'd like to see a bit more a bit more firepower, a, a bit more freedom. I, I just want to I want to be entertained and I don't feel very entertained watching this Watford team. But hopefully with these runner games coming now, Mike, um we'll see it. Um but just before we wrap it up, Mike, we're gonna mention about our next five games. 
Mm. And I say five games because I wanted to mention the last one because obviously it was a local derby, so I wanted to include that as well. So our next five games is Preston at home, then it's away to QPR, then we've got two home games against Birmingham City and Wigan Athletic, which is followed by Luton Town away um, in April. Those five games, well, the first four games are all very winnable. Mm-hmm. The Luton game is going to be tough, but I've included it into it because my thinking behind this is if you pick up four very good results in those first four games, that Luton game is going to make it look a bit easier than what it does right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, I've no doubt Watford will make those four games hard, as hard as possible for <laughs> ourselves. So that's what we do. Um I think the Birmingham game, I think too many people are glossing over that as as uh, a win already. Uh, now, I learned the other night that Troy's actually injured till mid-April. So he can't oh. come back and um, and have an absolute masterclass against us. But I'm also gutted for him as well because it would be his return to Vicarage Road. Um, John Eustace, you know, knows the club inside out. He'll want to get a win, no doubt about that. So there is that little bit of doubt. And... You know, they, they've got a good performance in them. It's just at the moment that they're, they're not doing very well at all. Um, Wigan Athletic goes about saying, you know, we only just beat them at the DW. So uh, I'm sure we'll make hard work of it at the Vic. But you'd like to think that we'll have enough for them. They look in real trouble at the moment. Um, Preston, you, you, you don't know what Preston's going to turn up. You know, you look back to the start of the season when we played them. I don't think they'd conceded a goal. You know, they were very defensive heavy and it was a quite a frustrating day in the, in Preston for us that game. But you'd like to think again, we've had to we would have too much for them at the Vic. Um but I I'm liking that the majority of those are at home because even though the um the home form hasn't been as good as it has the previous season we were in the championship, I do still feel much more confident at home. So yeah, if we pick up the majority of the points in those games and yeah the Luton game won't feel as much as an uphill task as it does at the moment obviously for obvious reasons that game is going to be feisty not you know as well because of Rob Edwards he's it kills me to say it but he's doing a fantastic job there uh, and they'll be up for it and I think they'll be much more up for it than they were when they come to Vicarage Road Mm. Yeah, and if I can push you for the points tally that you think we might pick up from those five games. Uh, so it's Preston, Birmingham, Wigan and who, sorry, before Luton? QPR. QPR, QPR away as well. You, you can't help but think that they will get a new manager bounce with Ainsworth in as well. So mm. um, I think, I think, let's go, let's go 12 points. I, I hopefully don't have to tell you who those 12 are going to be against because <laughs> I, I will get lynched. But um, yeah, 12 points out of those 15, I think. That's a decent decent return. Um, what about you? Um, well, I'll just read out the two we've got in at the moment in the comments. Um, so Joe Thomas says, I think we'll, we're going to get 11 points from the 15 there. I'll be delighted with that. Let's get behind them and hopefully we'll be above the scum again after the derby. Uh, Jess says, I think we'll get 10 points from those games. Um, looking at it, I think... I think 11 as well. I, I, yeah, I think 11. Um, I think... 
I think the pressing game will be a win. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not going to say who we're going to win. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll throw myself right under the bus, but I, I think 11, 11 points is a, it's a good tally to get. Um, but ideally, you need to be picking up maximums in those home games if you're serious about getting into that playoffs position, aren't you, Mike? To Absolutely. try and push on and bring that momentum into the playoffs. Um, semis and final if you do get there but yeah it's going to be an interesting end of the season for Watford Football Club and we, we knew it would be interesting following Watford there's always something going on and um, I keep you on your toes and this is what we're doing to us this season like we, we, we're talking off the back of a 1-0 defeat to the, um, the, the side that's second best in the table aren't they the second in the league they look like they've wrapped up automatic promotion but we're not downbeat about it. We've actually found positives out of the performance and we've we've found out, yeah, we, we, we're positive for the rest of the season. We both think we can sneak into a playoffs, we put a run together and hopefully playoffs is a lottery and who knows what will happen. Um, but yeah, this is what Watford Football Club does to us. It, it always drags us back in, doesn't it? Um, with the slightest bit of hope. Um, but yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you everyone for watching today. Uh, thank you for getting involved with your comments today as well. Um, if you like the video, don't forget to hit that like button. If, um, if you're not really subscribed to our YouTube channel as well, hit that subscribe button. And if you're not following us on Twitter, get over there. I think we're one follower short of 4,000. Uh, so that'll be a massive achievement for me and Mike to tick off. Um, me and Mike started this up during lockdown and it was just a, just two mates chatting about football and we can't believe uh, where we've taken it to um, so yeah massive achievement if we can hit 4,000 followers on we've, Twitter we've, we've done um, it Ben 4,001 4,001 ah oh, let's put let's put out that little poster I created yesterday then let's celebrate crack open the champers <laughs> yeah but yeah thank you everyone for your continued support me and Mike really do appreciate it and I will be back to discuss the Preston North End game. Uh, what's your plans next week? Mike, are you around to watch the Preston game? No, I'm uh, I'm, I'm not, which is annoying because one of my best mates who lives in Birmingham is a Preston fan and he told me the other day that he's got tickets. So I was ah. like, oh mate, I didn't think you were being serious. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to watch, I'm going to manage my team uh, and then I'm going to watch Nottingham Panthers ice hockey. Um, we've got mm. tickets in VIP. So okay. uh, I'll, I'll not be able to watch it, which is annoying. But I'm hoping, uh, really, really hoping that I can get down to the Birmingham game. I'm going to try and drive down um, to Watford for the Birmingham game. So uh, hopefully I'll be I'll be at that game. So, yeah. That'll be decent. All right, then. I'll, I'll definitely get someone lined up to come on with me for the Preston game. And Mike will try his best to come down for the Birmingham game as well. Um, and I've actually got tickets for the QPR away game, which I'm looking forward to as well. It's my second away game of the season. So I've, I've set, it's difficult for me to go now with a little one and that, but I set target for three or four away games this season. So QPR will be my second. And then probably my final one will be Coventry on the bank, uh, bank holiday Monday, which Mike's going to go to with um, his, his uh, misses as well so yeah but yeah thank you everyone for watching I know we've carried on a bit longer when we tried to wrap it up two minutes ago but we're wrapping up right now <laughs> see you later come on yours Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>